Hey, Mom Spaghetti listeners. I featured Survival's song Agua Con Gas in episode 25, Bubbling Up, and I'm also playing it here underneath me. Survival, a Boston based rapper, was nice enough to set aside some time and interview for the pod. I snuck some snippets into episode 25, and since you're already here, you know this is the full interview. Survival's next project, Exception 2, will be out in the next few months, and we're looking forward to hearing that when it drops. With that being said, here's the full interview with rapper Survival. All right, we're live. It's Keith Cohen from Mom Spaghetti Podcast here with Survival. And the first question I have for you, which I'm sure the audience would like to know as well, is where does that name Survival come from? Oh, that's a great question. I'm a big dork and I'm a fair amount older than you. So like when I started listening to rap, it was in the 90s and I was, you know, a teenager and there were actually a lot of rappers at that time, you know, who like threw random numbers in their names. You know, it was something that I want to do and like pick my favorite number, which is five. And then I just tried to mold words around it to try to be as organic as possible. You know, back in the what late 90s, early 2000s, when I was, you know, looking for those names, I was also on these rap threads, you know, forums. And that's just one that I chose and it stuck. It's been my alias for, I don't know, 15 years, something like that. I was going to ask how old you were when you chose that. Uh, I think I was 15. So everyone out there can do the math. I think it's closer to 20 years then. But yeah. Okay, cool. And so, you know, I am very excited for this interview because you're my first rapper interview and I am a huge fan of rap. So do you remember what was the first rap record or track that got you into rap? It's a good question, Keith. So I distinctly remember, this might be a little bit ahead of your time, my cousin introduced me to rap when I was about nine or 10. And the very first album that I bought was a red tape by Redman. And so Redman, red tape, like I kind of thought it was superheroes sort of thing with that synergy. And I bought it popped the tape in and I was just hooked and just started saving up money to buy every single album that I could, uh, every album and, you know, copied some of the stuff that my cousin was doing at the time. He was a couple years older, so he was a little bit deeper into rap. Yeah, that was the genesis of a really big, uh, like a narcotic for me. <laughs> All right, that makes sense. I mean, mine was Will Smith. I believe the song was Miami. And I was walking around as a kid. I knew every single word to that song. And then I jumped quickly from the clean rap over to Eminem. Like that was number two. <laughs> dirty, dirty. Yeah, I'm sure my parents were not too thrilled about that. So as a rapper, what is it about the genre, like rap and hip hop, that draws you in? What is it that is that hook for you where you said it was almost like a narcotic? And I totally get that as a lover of rap. So I'm just curious what it is for you, Survival, that brought you in. Yeah, it was a couple of things. It was the culture. It was the clothing. It was the slang. It was the beats. It was, you know, the way that you could just be like a savant with your words. And I've always been a fan of, you know, rhyming things together. And the way that I've heard people do things with words with regard to rap is it's incredible. And, you know, outside of like just the structure of the songs, you know, there are things in the culture like the ciphers and the freestyling, things that come with, you know, hip hop and rap in general that are outside the scope of like putting a structured song together. And I just fell in love with all of that. That makes sense. Yeah, I came up in the era of, I don't know if you remember uh, cannabis, but like I thought at the time, like it made my mind explode that 
some of the things that he was talking about and the way that he would just really you know blend like science and rap it, it was just it was incredible to me yeah i know eminem has a diss song about cannabis but I never really, <laughs> he sure does and i never really ventured much into cannabis because i heard his death so i never really yeah yeah he wasn't I, he, I didn't, he didn't he didn't make it Pat. yeah <laughs> well not many people did but right I guess the next question I have for you is, so Survival, when did you start recording? Obviously, you were into rap and music in general pretty early on, buying your first album at nine. When did you start recording and start putting the pen to the pad? Yeah, Keith. So my cousin and I, a different cousin, we would go out to uh, one of his friend's houses in the Burbs, and he had like the first iMac that I've ever seen and, you know, had some programs on there. And we, I think I was probably like 14, 15 years old when we started, you know, just messing around with structures and rhyme schemes and metaphors and stuff like that and not being any good at it and not knowing what the heck we were doing and, you know, burning the CDs and then, you know, having them a couple of years later when we got our licenses and, you know, putting them in the car and just driving down the street thinking we were ill because we were listening to our own stuff. I mean, that's, I think most people, when they start writing like seriously, are like the early teens because there's a lot of stuff that helps you form those rhymes, like the angst and you know all that stuff. So all of that went into the writing that I did. Sure. Have you kept any of that stuff? Do you listen to it, or is that some of the stuff like my middle school essays where I read it and I'm like, <laughs> who wrote this? <laughs> um, actually, so I think my mom found one of my notebooks uh, a couple of years ago and held onto it and gave it back to me. I think that my wife has it in her bookshelf, but uh, I'll have to take a look. In terms of some of the stuff that we recorded years and years ago, I'll have to check with my buddy and check the archives and see what's in there, see what we can dust off. That's hysterical. And honestly, I give you props because I don't know if at the age of 15 and 16, I would have had the guts to not only record something with my friend, but then burn it so that there's physical evidence of it. And even more than that, ride around playing it in my car. So, Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I definitely got clowned for the early rhyme structure and, you know, just the topics that we were talking about. But, you know, I didn't care. Just it made me who I am today, just having that ambition to stick with it. Right. And they also say like 10,000 hours, right? So 10,000 hours. You got started pretty early. That's right. I was going to ask, I divide being an artist and the music industry into pretty much two faces, I guess, or like worlds. And the first time I met you was really when I saw you performing And I thought you had a lot of energy and brought a lot of charisma to the stage and were engaging a lot of people who might not have normally been as into rap as either they should be or as a person watching your show should be. So my question, Survival, is if you prefer the writing and recording and the making of the music or the performing of the music more. I mean, that's an easy one. Performing, hands down. 
Keith. It's actually not even close. Like, I love making the music, but actually practicing and rehearsing and then getting out there and I'm not shy <laughs> as you've seen <laughs> I like to engage with people and you know that part took a lot of work too it's not you know the 10,000 hours thing uh, that you're referring to that actually started a little bit earlier obviously with the writing of it the performative aspect of it took a little bit of time and I think I've pretty much found my groove and, and found my niche performing is way more fun and you get that instant gratification or in the converse like if someone hates it like you know immediately whereas like if you're making music it sort of takes a while to figure it out because you need to upload it and distribute it do all that stuff and get all the feedback but just being right in front of someone and engaging with them high-fiving them or handing them the mic to finish off a, a specific lyric there's no better feeling than that well, I'm not surprised because I felt like that was the vibe of your show. So I guess what was the first time or when was the first time that you ever performed live? Do you remember it? Yeah. So I think that I'd probably call it two separate births because I was in a band in 2009. And I think the first time that we performed together was... It was either mid-2009 or early 2010. And, you know, again, I'm not a shy person, but I had never really done it. So I didn't know anything about stage presence or, you know, being on the stage with five, six other people. But, you know, just owned it. And after the band dissolved, uh, shout out Ellie Project, by the way. So I was kind of in a really sad space like what am i supposed to do with this drive that i have and that's when i started playing around with a garage band and doing all that sort of stuff and figuring like this is the path that i still want to go down in 2014 i decided and my girlfriend at the time was very committed to this idea she is now my wife she was very very loyal Congrats. in that yeah, thank you. I appreciate it. You got a good one, if that's the case. She's a great one because it's an absurd idea to be like, I'm going to do open mics like four or five days out of the week, every single day after work or three times on the weekdays and once on weekends and building up those repetitions and just feeling out the landscape. That's what really I would call the rebirth. Doing everything solo is totally different from doing everything with five or six people and them covering up you know, some of your mistakes. It was a really great feeling to get in front of people who are also bombing and also not very good. And, you know, having that drive and seeing people around town like, oh, you're, you're going on this one, too. All right, cool. I'll see you later. Just to, like, cut your teeth in that craft. Sure. I actually did a very brief stint of stand up comedy. And oh, yeah. Yeah. And I hated it. <laughs> oh, man. I we got to get those archives going then. Oh, no, there are no archives of that. It's not good. I mean, I definitely didn't dedicate enough time to it, but that's a topic for another time. Sure. But I didn't even know they had open mics like that in Boston. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, I hadn't found too, too many hip hop specific ones. But again, I just had it in me to, you know, remain focused and not get discouraged. There was obviously a lot, a lot of Americana and folk music and, and stuff like that. And it was probably a little disconcerting at first to get up there and people just be like, well, where's his guitar or where's his instrument? My instrument would be my words. And in a lot of instances, I had backing tracks to do, you know, instrumentals and stuff like that for a specific song that I rehearsed. And oftentimes it would be like, well, we don't do that here or that sort of thing. So it was just another hurdle to be able to, you know, go on open mics and do my thing and hopefully impress some people too. Whereas if I came back the next time, then we can get that actual musical element of it and make it more of a performance. 
Right. That's so interesting. I wonder the dynamic of the crowd because when I was doing stand-up comedy, one of my biggest frustrations, and of course, this is just a built-in excuse, so we can get that out of the way that I'm admitting that, but I felt like everyone in the audience was there as your competition, and so it was like their goal not to laugh during your performance. Like They didn't want to admit that you were funny, so I just felt like it was a very strange crowd to be performing stand-up comedy yeah. in front of. But I also feel like for stand-up comedy, that's kind of where it should start, right? It's like if Absolutely. you can make people who have zero interest in laughing at you crack a smile and laugh, then right. maybe you're actually funny. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, Keith, I totally agree. It's not that you're going and performing for, you know, some random people who happen to show up to a bar at that specific time. It's often... 95% performers who are just waiting for their slot and you're performing for other performers and they have this barometer about performances in their heads and I think if you can impress them then that's another hurdle that you've you know leapt over yeah so I'm sure it's fairly similar in that regard for the open yeah. mics that you were doing yep but that's really cool. I applaud you. Again, just like driving around in your car at age 16, I guess the recurring theme is you have a lot of guts, man. <laughs> it was actually not 16, but it was a, it was a little bit later than that. I think when I you was were like, driving around? <laughs> I was still driving around, but yeah. I think oh, no, was, I meant uh, when you were driving around listening to your own CDs oh, that you yes, yes, in yes. high school. Yeah, you got it. Yeah. So I heard you talk a little bit about the beats that you might bring to the open mic or even I know we talked a little bit before this about Logic Pro. Do you make your own beats or how do you go about mixing yeah. and figuring all that stuff out? Yeah, uh, initially I had, you know, just gotten on GarageBand and was just playing with the mouse and the interface, just figuring out what is what. And making them was a challenge. It wasn't easy. And then just hearing the outcome of really, really terrible music and then just having to go back to the drawing board. But, you know, having done it for a couple of years and graduated into a more professional software like Logic Pro, it gets a little bit easier. Nowadays, I do like 100% of my beats, but a little bit earlier was probably 85%. I would reach out to some people that were more established and buy a couple off of them. And then I asked the former bandmates if I could use some of the stuff that we had done and then remix it. And they were, you know, amenable to that idea. You probably heard one or two of the tracks when I was performing uh, a couple of weeks ago. But yeah, just having that repetition and keeping at it and listening to the tracks relative to some of the professional stuff that's out there really helped me to narrow my focus and get better at it. That's cool. So do you have a set order or I guess almost like recipe for how you make a song or does it really vary completely on your mood or whatever's happening and going through your mind? Yeah, it's completely random. I think the majority of the time I try to settle on a specific topic. Like I'm going to rap about mom spaghetti and then hell yeah you, rap you know about that shit <laughs> i'll play it for like, all my listeners <laughs> and then you know i'll probably think of some lyrics not too too much you know i don't want to write an entire song without knowing exactly like beats per minute what the structure is going to be and then i start to mold it around that framework 
build it up, then start to piece together a bunch more of the lyrics. But yeah, it's a process. And sometimes it just so happens that I am working on a beat that is not great. And then I think of something else. And I'm like, holy shit, this is awesome. And I just get fixated on it for a couple hours until it's done. And then I'm like, all right, I need to write something to this specifically. So there's a little bit of that sprinkled in there as well. Okay. Yeah. It seems I've talked to a few artists at this point for Mom Spaghetti, and it really does seem like there is no recipe. Everyone is just, oh, sometimes I come up with the beat first, or I came up with this little bit of a melody that I'm going to mold into the hook, or I just came up with these lines that I thought were amazing, and it all forms from there, which I think is really one of the cool things about the artistic process is you can't, I guess formulate it like it's not or you can't make it formulaic otherwise it's no longer art right absolutely keith whenever the muse strikes i mean that's just when it happens and it strikes in different forms sometimes it's in the form of you know to your point melodies and 808s and snares and stuff like that other times it's I just thought of a dope hook. Hold on. I got to, where's my phone? I got to write this down or, (laughs) you know what I mean? It definitely varies in terms of the actual medium, like whether it's the lyrics, the body, or if it's a bridge or the hook, or whether it is arranging the actual chorus or the body of a specific beat. Yeah. So I don't know if you've gone through the archives of Mom Spaghetti enough or even listened to last week's episode to know that... I have rapped a few times, but okay, I, let's I, hear it. Oh no, I'm not going to do it now. You got to go listen to episode 23. <laughs> you only right. have to listen for two minutes. It's the intro. But I was going to ask you, survival. If sometimes the best lines that I have that I come up with are like three in the morning. I just like wake up in the middle of the night, just laying there, and all of a sudden, just magic hits me, and I go into my notes folder, which is like. It's either raps or this song sounds like. That's what my notes section is. And I just have so many that are saved at 3.45 a.m. It's like, damn, what was I doing? Just writing a verse to a song I'm never going to record. Yeah, exactly. There is a lot of that. Again, it's whenever inspiration hits, that's when the simile or the metaphor or whatever sort of imagery comes out of it. Got to write that down. Other times I actually make time for it. Like I ride the T a lot to and from work. And when I'm not reading a book, I'm actually writing stuff. So there's a lot of time to kind of sit and reflect and just write some lyrics and feel the energy of what's going on and be in the moment. That's so much more productive than me because I, <laughs> well, no, I drive to and from work. And so all I do is freestyle. I don't write anything down. Nice. I don't save anything. Yeah. But then it's gone. You know, I'm like, oh, what was that line? That no, was so good. That was killer. No, yeah, I don't remember anything. <laughs> <laughs> Which speaking of, I was going to ask if you have a favorite line that you've either recorded or that's coming out soon where you're just like, oh, that line was so good. I mean, it really depends because I think one of the things that I really try not to do is be formulaic. And coming up, I was all about battling. So it's like degrading my opponent and then you are like this and like a lot of similes and stuff like that. And I've kind of I tried to evolve out of that and doing a lot more ethereal, like storytelling things and story arcs and, and stuff like that, where it's more like this specific topic and 
So it's really difficult to say. There are some battle-specific lines that I've written where I'm like, oh, yeah, all right, you hold that. Wait, and then there, you know, what's, some... what's one of I Because I love battle rap and like 8 Mile. I told you I grew up on Eminem. So I, I've watched... Mom's Spaghetti. So, yeah, I, I've watched so many YouTube videos that's just 1990s Eminem going crazy on some random guy at a rap battle. Yeah. So my favorite Eminem one is at some point he is rapping against an African-American guy and he says, like, don't try and turn my facial tissue into a racial issue. Oh, yeah. I lost it. I was like, what? Yeah, that's the Rap Olympics. Yeah. I got that stuff memorized, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And everybody in this fucking place will miss you if you try to turn my facial tissue into a racial issue. Okay, so I know you talked about recording things and stuff like that. I was curious, Survival, if you have anything cooking right now that fans and listeners of the Mom Spaghetti podcast should be on the lookout for. Yeah, so I have a mixtape that I came out with in 2015 called Exception, and I am writing and recording its sequel right now. It's called Exception 2. Actually, I just paid my friend for the graphic art, so everything's all pretty much lined up. I've got all the tracks produced that I want for it. Most of the stuff is written. I just got to carve out some time to, you know, get it recorded. It's pretty hectic lately. Oh, great. So what do you say? Probably about six months away? No, probably less than that. It's probably, you know, a month and a half, two months. Uh, Actually, I got a baby on the way, so I got to get it out before before the baby comes. Congrats again. Thank you. (laughs) Yeah, all the uh, congrats are piling up here. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Papa survival. (laughs) That's right. It's happening. Cool. So I always am intrigued for this question. It's like, if exception two blows up and you know fingers crossed all that stuff and it gets into the right hands and onto the right ears who is an artist that you would love to collaborate with and if you collaborated with that artist not only would you say you know this track is about to be dope but as far as i'm concerned i made it yeah i'd probably like i think my my first choice overall would be lupe fiasco and it's probably not like a super like from a pop vintage point, popular choice, but he's been a big inspiration since I heard him in 2005. And I was like, who the hell is this? Wow. And hearing some of his early mixtape work and then obviously hearing, you know, Food and Liquor in 2006. So he would definitely be the first person I would reach out to for a collaboration. Well, I'm so proud of myself because I know we were texting and I made a comment to you that I thought your music sounded a lot like Lupe and influenced by Lupe. Absolutely. So I guess you would say also that he's been one of your biggest influences. Yes, I think the influences uh, definitely come in waves. It was like, who influenced me when I was nine? There was a huge stark difference between what I'm receiving as music when I'm nine versus what I'm receiving at 19 and then 29 because you're just in different spaces. Oh, of course. When I was in that specific space, I think the first time I heard Lupe, I was 24 and I was just like 23, 24, just blown away. It sort of helped me kind of get out of the, like I mentioned, the battle mode where it's like I'm only writing stuff for opponents and started to write more you know just observe the world and you know write more story arc elements and stuff like that i think the first lupe song i ever heard was hip-hop saved my life Mm -hmm. i always the thing i appreciated most about hip-hop was it's a good track i always felt like hip-hop was the closest uh, hip-hop and rap were the closest to resonating with me absolutely on more than just a 
sonic level. I felt like the emotion that they were able to put into simple poetry as opposed to singing and things like that where you can also hear emotion. But I just felt like the words and what they were saying took on such a different, I almost want to say energy because... Yeah. For sure. It, like without the energy, it was nothing. You know, a song can still have great vocals, even if it doesn't have energy. At that point, yeah, it's just absolutely. pop music. But and Keith, do you know who that song was about? Hip Hop Saved My Life? Yep. It wasn't about him, right? Nope. No, it was about Slim Thug. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought it was about his friend. Yeah, it was about a Slim Thug, a Houston rapper. Okay, so exception two. And then I know we're going to play Agua Con Gas for the listeners. I wanted to find out a little bit about that one because most of of your stuff is very, like we were just talking about, rap and message centric. And then it felt like Agua Con Gas, right in the middle of your album from last year, Goler, it felt like it sort of broke up two halves of the album where the first half was, this is who I am. And then right before you got into broader themes and things like that, you stuck in Agua Con Gas, which was, like I said, a little bit more poppy. So I wanted to find out if there was inspiration for it, if you just thought, let me write a feel-good song. What was going through your head when you wrote this one? Yeah, I mean, I'm more of like a rapidy rapper and try to wrap circles around people and try to get in as many syllables as possible. But I had done a lot of traveling in 2016, mostly for work. And one of the places that I went to for a little bit of leisure was Barcelona. So I went to Barcelona, Spain with some friends. And pretty much everything written in that song was revolving around that trip. And I just had a great time. And it was actually a... I don't want to say a turning point, but it was just like a contrast for me where it's like, I don't really write about stuff where it's partying and move your body, like that sort of thing. And I was like, well, why not? You know, people like my wife, she always says like, when you're performing, you have so much vibrancy. And when you're recording stuff, it's always really somberish. And so I just wanted to exude something other than that energy and let people know that I'm a super fun guy. And that's basically how Ago Congas came about. The title came from the group of friends that I was hanging out with. Like we were just at a bar and I think I ordered something in Coke or something that had the Ago Congas that they handed me a bottle that was Ago Congas. It just means seltzer water or carbonated water and dumped that in there. And then we just started saying that for the rest of the trip, that four or five days, and then it just stuck. And I told them, I'm going to write a song called Ago Congas and you'll be the first people I debut it for. And sure enough, uh, I showed up in the office one day and I was like, all right, everyone go to Spotify. It's it's ready to go. Wow. I feel like an idiot for not knowing that Agua Con Gas is seltzer water. <laughs> yeah. It's I very, was, very, very simple. <laughs> honestly, I was trying to figure out what it was. I was like, was he smoking on the beach while he was drinking water? I'm so confused. But Agua Con Gas, man. Yeah. Wow. No, I'm going to hit the listeners with the truth. They're going to know what Agua <laughs> Con Gas is. That's right. Well, my favorite line, I haven't decided. We'll see if I air it for the episode. But my favorite line in the song was just when I was listening to it and you said, we're thrusting so hard, she needs a wheelchair and some crutches. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's how I dance when, <laughs> when I get a little Agua Con Gas in me. Nice. Good save. I wanted to 
find out, you know, with Exception 2 on the way, do you think there will be more songs like Agua Con Gas or are you sticking to what you are known for? That is a great, great segue into a song that I wrote, which is based on Agua Con Gas. It's called Agua Sin Gas. Sin just means without. without in Spanish. So yeah, and I'm taking another trip down that Latin route and having a Latin themed beat and stuff like that. It's going to be a little bit different in that my life is changing a little bit and, you know, I'm getting a little bit older, so can't party like I used to. And it's like, mind over matter, man. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm just like, all right, mom, I can't go home with you. That's basically the essence of the song. There we go. Papa survival. That's right. Cool. Well, that's good to know. What do you listen to mostly now? I'm curious because I feel like I go back and forth on whether or not the type of music that we grew up listening to as far as that really hardcore hip hop Mm -hmm. even exists anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's a medley stuff. I also grew up on a lot of alternative music, so I'll try to sprinkle some of that in there. And then, you know, if I'm feeling, like, nostalgic about a specific era, I'll put something on. Like, over this past weekend, I was listening to a lot of, like, snap music, so it's, like, Laffy Taffy, and I played some Soldier Boy, you know, Superman. Oh, wow. Yeah, just, like, you know, little fun stuff from that era that everyone knew. We threw on Teach Me How to Dougie this weekend. Yeah, I actually threw that on. Oh, yeah. yeah. That... I was hoping that would be a response. <laughs> Definitely threw that on the more recent stuff that i'm into because i try to at least give everything a listen depending on who the artist is for the sake of the genre and stuff like that but you know most recently i listened to igor the other day tyler the creator what do you think of that my first past listen was like "Mm, yeah you know it's okay i'll probably have to give it another listen because i do really like tyler but i might be a little bit nostalgic for his earlier odd future stuff where he's evolving a little bit more now I'll definitely give it another listen. I recently listened to the DJ Khaled that dropped. I like Goldlink a lot. He dropped a track recently that's actually really good. I like Goldlink. Yeah, Goldlink's really good. I saw him like a year and a half ago over at Paradise, and he had a great show. As far as Igor went, I just thought it seems like everyone wants to have a Kanye album now. Like everyone is looking for their... Yeezus or Dark Fantasy. Yep. And they put so much time and effort into it, it's just okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the impression I got from the first listen, yeah. So I listened to it twice because my friend asked me to go back and he said he loved Earthquake. And my take on Earthquake, I thought this was kind of funny because a lot of people online have been reacting to how much they love Earthquake. And I thought that Earthquake sounded like if I had put it on a J. Cole album, nobody would have noticed. Like, it Mm. would have fit in perfectly on a J. Cole Mm -hmm. album. And I was laughing to myself because I thought, I feel like all the people who are saying that Earthquake is so great are the same people who would say, oh, J. Cole albums put me to sleep. But here they are loving this song because it was Tyler. But one man's opinion. Yeah, can't change them all. I wanted to follow up because you said you went to the Goldlink show. And I do like to ask artists, who is the best show that you've ever been to? I know I really enjoyed your show, but then I got to flip it Thank on you, you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I, I appreciate it. My favorite performance, Childish Gambino, came to the House of Blues. Dude, I you're ble- the second person to say Childish Gambino. And now I feel like I got to see him. 2014. He had an amazing performance. Yeah, I thought it was incredible. I've been to some pretty good shows, but I think that was probably uh, cream of the crop. What was it about the show? 
because I interviewed a guy named Ben's Been Dead maybe a month or two ago, mm-hmm. and he said that Childish Gambino was the best show of all time. So what was it about the show? He just exudes a lot of confidence, like effortless confidence. He just kind of strolled out lazily and then just ripped everything. And I thought everything was flawless in terms of the way that you remember a specific track sounding on the record is how it sounds when he performs it. And, you know, how he likes to go in and out of singing versus rapping. So I thought it all sounded great. He had pieces of a band there and he had some visual artistry going on. He kind of broke up the monotony with... Sorry, not the monotony, but he broke up the show I know what you're with saying. a little bit of freestyling just to keep everybody on their toes. It was a lot of curvature in the performance where it's, you never really know which avenue he was going to. Like, you did, but you didn't. Like, I know that he's going to play this song from his album, and he's probably going to play this song from his mixtape, and he's probably going to, oh, okay, all right, now he's singing, and now he's doing these super neat things, and it was a really, really great act of showmanship. Right, and like you said, just kind of keeps you on your toes. Absolutely. That's what performance is about. For sure. And I did want to make a comment. I know that this goes relatively far back in our conversation. I just, I meant to say when you were talking about being a fan of alternative music, I wanted to say, I heard the line on your intro where you said that you like Nirvana. I do. And you don't like Foo Fighters. That's what you said. That is correct. (laughs) I told you I would listen. That's correct. It's completely accurate. That particular song, uh, it's called an actual intro off of Goler. And what I wanted to do was actually introduce myself for people that didn't know me. So I just blurted out a whole bunch of facts about myself, you know, so you don't have to like go dig it up on the internet. So it's like, I did this once and I don't like this food and I like this baseball team and I don't like Foo Fighters. So there. (laughs) (laughs) Next question. Yeah, exactly. What else do you want to know? I think Nirvana's dope. I don't like food fighters. I don't blast them at my Honda. No, love burritos, but I hate bananas. I really like the show, but I hate Atlanta. Won't get deep into my personal life, but I dedicate this verse to my wife. I thought it was a cool way to open up the album, and I also like that it was called an actual intro. You're like, this yeah. is me just saying, F it. Right. Here's what you didn't know you wanted to know about me. Exactly. Exactly. I wanted to find out from you, Survival, if there's anything that you wanted the audience and the listeners of Mom Spaghetti to know or to be on the lookout or if you had anything to say, let them know. Yeah, I appreciate you giving me this time, Keith, to just speak to you and let your audience know more about me. I was born and raised in Boston. I don't know if a lot of people know that. And it's not a super friendly place for hip hop. So I just want people to open their minds here about hip hop and especially in other places where it can seem a little bit sparse in terms of the you know artistic performances. Because you see a lot of people driving up and down the street, banging this and that. But when you go to the local bars, it's a lot of people with acoustic guitars and drum sets and you know stuff like that. From my view, it's kind of same old, same old. But obviously, I do like those genres and there's genres that I came up on. But my first love is hip hop. And that's my freedom of expression. And that's the way that I choose to express myself. And I'm hoping that, you know, it is the most consumed genre in the world. But in places like Boston, it's kind of muzzled a little bit. I'm hoping that your listeners in and around Boston can help free hip hop and help it become what I know it can be. Free hip hop. Yeah. (laughs) Well, I'm certainly an advocate for that. I am curious, one of the questions I thought about asking, but now it seems like there might be 
an even more well thought out answer. Go for it. I wanted to find out if there winds up being like a 13 year old version of survival listening to mom's spaghetti right now. And you wanted to give that 13 year old some advice, whether they're growing up in Boston or not. Mm -hmm. What advice would you give a 13 year old looking to pursue a rap career right now? Stay true to oneself and keep your head up, especially as a 13 year old. I think it's probably more difficult for 13 year olds these days than when I was 13. The advent of the internet is very different from what we're engulfed in right now. Try to write your own lyrics, stick with it because you're not going to succeed the first time and just know that you have an advocate out there. If it isn't your mom or your dad or your cousin or whomever, maybe it's me. Maybe it's someone like me who is at a specific venue somewhere who's looking to, you know, feature more hip hop or do more things at a farmer's market or whatever. There's definitely avenues for hip hop. So just know that your freedom of expression is beloved and you are special. Wow, that was that was cheesy. <laughs> no, I was gonna say good advice and Thank you, Survival, because plot twist, I am a 13-year-old. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. I was, like, I was like, I don't know how this joke's going to land once it hits the internet, because people are going to be like, wait, is that, Keith that might from Mom's Spaghetti 13-year-old? No, I'm keeping it in there. The people need to know that I'm a 13-year-old at heart, but not, there you go. not in age, people. All right, so let's run it to the last question because that was a bad joke. Uh, sure. So I know I prepped you beforehand, and this is the signature question of Mom Spaghetti uh-huh. that I will play, uh, you know, post outro uh, on the episode. Okay. For those listeners who are new, the question is: Suppose survival that a relative or a loved one gives you a gift for the holidays, and the gift comes in two parts. The first part of the gift is a very nice vinyl record player, your first one ever. The second part of the gift is some quantity of cash, let's say $250. And that amount of money is supposed to go towards you buying your first five vinyl records for that brand new record player. Mm -hmm. With this being your first vinyl record player ever, what are the first five albums that you're going to go purchase? Keith, this is the question I've been waiting for. Hell yeah. I got all my answers prepped. So it's funny, throughout the conversation, you actually mentioned two of them. And I'll actually start with those two first. There's The Blueprint by Jay-Z, the Marshall Mathers LP, which I believe is Eminem's. Yeah, I think that's probably Eminem's best album ever. I'm going to go with Food and Liquor, which I think is one of, it's probably one of my favorite albums of all time. This one, I don't know if it's going to surprise all your listeners as a rap person, but Weezer's Blue Album is one of the best albums that's ever been made. And I don't even think that's debatable for me. The last one is uh, Doggy Style by Snoop Doggy Dog. Is that 1994? 1994. Let's go. And one of the reasons, I know you said it might surprise my listeners, but that's one of the reasons that I love asking the question is just because no matter who the artist is, and even just people... You know, no matter what their favorite genre is, there's usually an album in there where it makes you not only second guess that they're answering the question honestly, but also adds a dimension or layer of personality to what you thought about that person. Mm -hmm. Like the guy I interviewed most recently is really into EDM. Like that's the music he's making, but Mm -hmm. he crossed over from alternative 
And his first two albums that he said for the top five were Stevie Wonder and Earth, Wind, and Fire. Yeah, I listened to that episode. Okay, yeah. I know exactly what you were talking about. It was just really cool to hear someone who is pursuing this path of EDM come out of the woodwork with those two to open his top five. Absolutely. Music is all-encompassing. It doesn't have a face. It doesn't have a gender. It's just whatever you like is what you like. And one of the things that I really happened to like and grow up on was alternative music. Excellent, excellent, excellent genre. Only two things left. The first is survival. I'd like to welcome you to the Parmesan Posse as someone who interviewed on the podcast. All right. The only other thing that I need for you, from you, it's not for you, um, is just to say some variation, whatever your own spin is, on this is survival. Thanks for listening to the Mom Spaghetti podcast. Tell your friends because everyone eats. What's going on, guys? This is Survival. Thanks for listening to the Mom Spaghetti Podcast. Everyone eat. Everyone eats. There everyone does eat. Yes, everyone does eat. This is a fact. <laughs> awesome. Thanks for tuning in, fans of Mom Spaghetti and Survival alike. New episodes of Mom Spaghetti drop every Thursday, so I'll be back then. As for Survival, we'll keep our eyes and ears open for Exception 2 coming in the next few months. Until then, we'll be playing Agua Con Gas all summer long. I'm Keith Cohen, your host of the Mom Spaghetti Podcast. One more huge shout out and thank you to Survival, and of course to you, the listeners. Pour up rum and agua con gas. I like to go fast, baby, skirts.